What is up, bosses? Before we start this episode, I want to tell you about our sponsor this week. It is Common Stock, a social network for smart money investors. Does anyone else out there feel like capital markets make zero sense these days? From equities and options to meme stocks, crypto and NFTs, markets are changing at breakneck speed. It's more important than ever to find trustworthy information from people who actually know what they're talking about. Common Stock built a platform to showcase the portfolio real-time trades, and analysis of the smartest retail investors. It lets people link their existing brokers to verify their portfolios and performance, which helps you distinguish signal from noise. I'm going to tell you so much more about Common Stock during the break in the show. Plus, I'll let you know how you can follow Sam, Johnny, and myself right on Common Stock to get real-time trades. But if you want to check it out right now, all you got to do is go to commonstock.com. That's commonstock.com to join today. All right, let's get started with this week's episode. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey, bosses. This is Johnny FD, and welcome to episode 225 of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. Sam, it looks like you're back in Thailand or you're in Chiang Mai. Uh, did you guess by the shirt or I recognize the that internet or something else? Yeah. I, why is the oh. internet so bad? It's normally really good in Thailand. I think Thailand's got a bit of COVID rot going on, man. Everything is falling apart. Like, like all the buildings and stuff because they haven't had tourism for two years. So no one's keeping things up and everyone's probably like downsized the bandwidth of their Wi-Fi. Like everything's just got cheaper, right? It's going to, it's going to take some time for it to come back. Wow. I hope it does. I really hope it does. Cause I, I miss yeah. Thailand. I miss Chiang Mai. Yeah, man. Well, I'm actually down in Samui right now. I'm staying at the beach Republic in Lamai. And when I showed up here at six o'clock at night off the plane, there wasn't even a receptionist here. <laughs> I sat, it's like one of the nicest hotels in Lamai. I sit here for like 30 minutes. No one's at reception. Security has to call a receptionist to come from their home uh, to let me in. And this is like, you know, the pool's closed, gym's closed, not because of COVID, just because they don't want to keep maintaining it. So it's, wow. uh, it's budget, man. Yeah, budget. That's crazy. Uh, I was talking to some friends that live in Sri Lanka, and they had even harder lockdown than, than Thailand. And everything is gone because they relied on tourism so much um, that their economy is in free fall right now. It, it's it's going to collapse. It's, I think it's already collapsed their, their entire uh, government budget. I think their government's going to, mm. it, there's going to be some major changes coming. No, I'm shocked that these countries who rely so heavily on tourism been able to sustain at all. Like how is every, how is everything just not falling apart? It's actually, it's actually quite remarkable. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they did, but they were kind of uh, holding them up with band-aids. Um, I know in Sri Lanka, their problem was they the government basically said, oh, everything's fine. We have plenty of reserves. And they, meanwhile, they had to postpone uh, all the school exams because the government couldn't afford uh-huh. to buy paper just to print the exams. Oh, oh that's, that's one you don't hear uh, on Fox News in the morning about how bad things really are in some places, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so oh I'm in a gosh. new country, Sam, guess where I am now. Uh, let's see. Yesterday you were in Greece. So today you are in Poland. Yep. I took a 
I think it was a 30 euro flight. So $33. And now I'm going to crack mm. off the next month. Okay. So I want to talk about that. And just, I just want to also give any of the new listeners, we always bring in a lot of new listeners on these quarterly updates. So what, what we do on this episode is we talk, we kind of split the episode in half. We talk about the first half is just what we've been doing the last uh, quarter, which I think this this episode will be very interesting and hopefully we never have to go through something as traumatic, at least for Johnny's sake, uh, again, during these, but uh, we'll talk about what we've been up to lifestyle, travel, work-wise a bit. And then the second half of the episode is going to be all about our investment portfolios and how those have performed over the last quarter. Yeah. The second half is for Patreons only. Um, if you want to watch the full episode in video format, uh, join as a patron. So those those five bucks a month and you get access, full access to everything. Uh, but for those listening to the podcast, um, this will be the lifestyle travel and kind of a philosophical thoughts part. <laughs> I think last quarterly review, we, we went pretty deep into the philosophical stuff, but yeah, that was fun. That was fun. I think it was much needed as well. You know, the, the world was changing a lot and we were changing a lot. Um, and you know, kind of surprisingly, uh, things have changed even more this quarter. <laughs> Times are such that uh, we need a good dose of philosophy in these episodes. Uh, but yeah. dude, so you're you're you've moved around quite a bit in the last uh, yeah in the last few months. But so you're in Krakow now. What's the scene like? You're you're sort of at like ground zero for the immigrant crisis in a sense, at least in terms of a big city. Yeah, so I, to be fair, I just arrived last night, so I haven't seen much yet. But even just from the airport, I realized on all the buses, uh, everything is in half Ukrainian and half Polish now. There's like translations. There's uh, the, the bus LCD screens. Uh, they even had, you know, like language lessons, I think, for Ukrainians to learn Polish, but also maybe for, for some Polish people to learn a bit of Ukrainian as well. Mm, okay. That's interesting. Like I've heard some rumors about the the refugee crisis. I'm not sure if you can validate any of this, but that I I think within the EU, Ukrainians are allowed to travel free on like any type of transport, air, uh, buses, pretty much, so they can get they can get places that they they need to be where they can see kind of refuge. It's it's partially true, um, but reality doesn't really work that way. Uh, yeah. A lot of cities let, you know, Ukrainians travel on public transport or they have certain trains that might be free, but, um, and like Wizz Air had, you know, X amount of free tickets uh, to travel, mm -hmm. but all that's kind of, uh, like all those tickets were, were gone within the first week or so. Um, yeah. I think uh, I, I know, like in, for example, in Hungary, you know, I, was, I was in Budapest for a month. Um, in, Ukrainians were allowed to travel on public transport for free, but not like, but it was only certain routes. Like, for example, to go from the city center to the airport, like you had to pay, um, even mm -hmm. if you had a Ukrainian passport. Uh, for the trains, it was technically free, but if you wanted a ticket, you needed to to, to uh, purchase like a reservation fee which, you know, was only $3 per ticket. But for example, there was a family of four um, that had, you know, it's like the, the grandma, the, the, you know, the parents, the kids, and they wanted to go to uh, Austria. And because it was a transfer to each person needed two tickets and it ended up being, you know, like 30, $40 just for this reservation fee. Um, I paid for it. But if it was, you know, them coming out of their pocket, you know, even though it's a free ticket, paying like 30 or $40 just to reserve it, it's still a burden. Yeah. 
Definitely. So what was your decision to go to Krakow? You're just in Athens, right? Yeah. So the only reason why I went to Athens is because I, I guess let, let's back it up. Um, you know, after, you know, when the, when the war happened um, in, I was living in Kiev and I, you know, uh, got to the the closest you know um, border, which was Poland, but it was crazy packed. You know, the the, the lines were two or three days long. So I made it. Uh, so I continued uh, going south, and I crossed through the Hungarian border, which still mm-hmm. took a while, but it was you know nowhere as bad. And I stayed there for a month. Um, and honestly, I just needed a break from everything. Um, and I saw there was a 20 euro flight to Greece. And I said, you know what, let me go there for a couple of weeks, just clear my mind, um, get a little sun. Uh, and then I'll figure out what to do next. Um, and now I'm back in Krakow because I want to be closer to, to Ukraine and Ukrainians again and try to help out some, mm-hmm. some more. Um, mm-hmm. plus, plus I raised a bunch of money through uh, GoFundMe, my YouTube channel. And now that I'm back here, I want to finish deploying all that money. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Well, good on you for your initiative. And do you know anyone, do you have any friends that are still in Kiev or like the major cities? Yeah, um, I would say most of the people have left. Um, most people I know, you know, I would say like 70% of people are in different countries. Um, and it's crazy that I would have thought everybody would have kind of stuck together. But even mm-hmm. people who were close friends, all of them are in different countries, not even different cities, but different countries. Some are in Germany or France, uh, or the UK, you know, um, Belgium. <laughs> like it's really, I don't, I don't think I know of any group um, where they all just went to the same place. And I don't know why, how, or why that happened. Um, mm-hmm. But it was probably more like, where do I know somebody? Where do I have a family member? Uh, I'll go there regardless of where my friends are going. Yeah. Yeah. So how have you absorbed everything? I'm sure it was, you've gone through different phases of like shock, disbelief, denial. Like where do you, where are you, where's your head currently at with regards to what's taking place in the Ukraine? And like, I mean, is there anything that sticks out to you? That's like, this has really changed my worldview or, or anything like that. Yeah. So I guess <clears throat> we wanted to January, I was in Ukraine and within Ukraine, the, the thoughts were Russia is not crazy enough to invade, uh, especially Kiev. They might you know, invade Donbass and uh, that area, but that war has been going on for you know, eight years mm-hmm. you know, already uh, since 2014. That, that's never stopped. Um, in the West, you know, through Western media, it was like, get out now. Uh, it's 100% going to happen. Yeah. And it was a really, it was, it was confusing because who should we listen to? Um, you know, the U S media, which is usually right, but sometimes they over-exaggerate things, um, that, or they have their own kind of incentives or do we listen to sure. the, to the Ukrainian, um, news and the people that were actually living there who universally like 99% of people, you know, or at least 90% of people stayed, you know, some people, you know, did leave uh, ahead of time in preparation, but for sure, you know, more than 90% of Ukrainians stayed in Ukraine, even if they had a way to, to leave earlier. You know, I know some people just financially couldn't do it, but a lot of people who, you know, had plenty of money, they're like, no, the chances of Russia invading uh, Kiev itself, or this turning into a full-scale war, was so low that every you know everyone I know stayed. 
except for, you know, a few random people. Um, and I don't know if that was denial or if it was normalcy bias or if the chances of Russia actually invading were really actually that small and just, you know, he, uh, Putin ended up just being crazier than everybody expected. But uh, ironically, I actually went back to the U.S. in January for a week just to see my parents and mm-hmm. pick up a few packages. Um, and when I went back to Ukraine, everything was so normal up until February 24th. So for mm-hmm. those two months, everything was completely normal. Uh, life is going on as normal. Uh, I was renting my apartment. Everything was just like at the finish line, almost finished. And then when I woke up on the morning of Thursday, uh, February 24th, and the first bombs had dropped uh, in Kiev, I was like, oh, crap. Like, the, the, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. I, I listened to one of the people that is on the kind of the anti-Russian task force for, for in terms of like strategy, like always trying to plan ahead of what Russia could and, and could do and and how to, um, you know, how to defend against certain scenarios. And it, it was actually, he was speaking with Jordan Peterson and on, on one of the, one of the podcasts. And he was like, we got it wrong. Like we saw this whole thing building up, but we did not believe they were going to invade. We thought it was all basically a negotiating tactic. Even when they had all the, like two days before they invaded, we still had, we still were saying there's no way they were going to invade. And to him, he thinks something happened internally, like where they messed up and they like were forced to, to invade then um, to, to, to cover something up or to, to counter something that came in that was, because I think all their intelligence from people even that they might have as like spies or internally were saying like, no, they're not going to invade. So I think it caught a lot of people by surprise. It just shows you how fast, like how fast things can change anywhere in the world. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, I would say for the last two years, everything that was rational or, you know, uh, logical was thrown out the window. And Mm -hmm. it came to, you know, investing with crypto, with NFTs, with the war. I mean, it was basically like the, the rational, logical people. We got everything wrong these last couple of years. Everything mm-hmm. was just opposite, you know? And in, in hindsight, and, you know, everything's 2020, you're like, yeah, of course crypto was going to, you know, 100x. Of course NFTs were going to be the, you know, the hottest selling thing in the world. You know, of course, um, you know, Russia was going to invade. And, it it just it like it boggles my mind that you know the the smartest people you know in the world <laughs> or the most logical people in the world were like no like like these things should not be happening yet they did mm-hmm. so yeah i'm kind of uh giving up on on uh on on log, you know on logic nowadays you, you know like there's something in our psyche that's just designed for chaos and disorder or disorder and order like it can never be a hundred percent order. Is there something in the universe that has both this magical element of order and this other element of chaos? And like, we actually need it as humans. Like as soon as there's too much order, something has to be done to create chaos. When there's too much chaos, the order comes into play. But sometimes when you look at the world, like you go back kind of pre COVID and it's like, damn, like everything's just like almost, it was like kind of post ISIS pre COVID. It was like, everything's like too stable everybody's flying around on jets all around the world, like working remotely, living this massively like hedonistic kind of over the top lifestyle. It was just like, it was almost times were almost like too easy. 
Mm-hmm. And now we just like, now it's the balancing act. We get COVID, we get a major war. There's like a mental health epidemic going raging across the world. And we realize like, we can't take things for granted. There's always a bit of chaos. that's always going to be there. I don't think we're ever going to get to a place of like perfect utopia. And if we did, we'd probably hate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, I mean, the U S is a good example is when things were kind of, uh, up, up, up and up, people would find problems, you know, uh, and create problems, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why, you know, politics in the U S for the last couple of years has been so insane with clashes between the left and the right, the, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, everything like from the gender wars to the race wars, to the money, money wars, everything. It's like, whatever you could have a fight about, there was a fight about. And, I think it was because, you know, everything else was kind of going pretty good. You know, economy was doing pretty good. Everything was, you know, life was easy. So people were like, all right, so now, you know, what can we, what can we, you know, stir up now? Uh, What I liked about Ukraine and Ukrainians was they've known struggle for their whole lives. So things like that, there's like, you know what? Yeah, it exists. We'll deal with it as, you know, on a case by case basis, basis when it comes. But in general, we have other things to worry about. And with this war now, it's like, you know, it's really, um, you know, it's really highlighted again. It's like, I, you know, it's, they're, they're tough people. People need adversity and they need, they need struggle. And when you have adversity and struggle, you cry about it and you complain about it and you say life's too tough. But I think actually what's worse and what probably people in our generation and the generations ahead, which may very well have a much easier life, I think they're going to struggle even more than the people going back hundreds of years ago that were working 14 hours a day in the industrial plants or going back thousands of years ago that were hunters and hunters and gatherers and just like surviving each day. I think a a, a very easy street life, utopia based life running on the hedonistic treadmill, I think is actually much, much more difficult. And there's more despair in that than, than a life of pure survival. Yeah. Well, I mean, even just like, Imagine, you know, back in the day, right? Not even that long ago, but, you know, 50 years ago, you had to work to earn a living to, to have enough money just to just to live, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's in a factory, whether that's on a farm, whether that's around the house, there was always something to do. So you, no one had that much free time. You know, if you had an hour a day of free time, that was, you know, pretty good. You know, you can read a book, mm-hmm. you can have some, you know, discussions, you know, you can spend time with family, whatever it is. The fact is now this generation, people have too much free time. You know, anyone who can spend five hours or eight hours a day just on the internet, you know, trolling people. Like, if you have enough time to troll people, like, you have too much time on your, your hands. Like, seriously, go do something. That is, like, that's the standard, right? That's the limit right there. If, you have, if you're trolling people, you have too much time on your hands. Yeah, seriously, go do something. Stop that. Go, Stop go, that immediately. Go, yeah, go build a tiny house. Go volunteer somewhere. Go do something for society. Like, it, like it's that's the limit. If you're investing in fine wine, that's the limit. <laughs> you have too much time on your hands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so did, did I tell you uh, a few weeks ago in Hungary, I went to this winery, small winery, really small. This guy mm-hmm. literally bought mm-hmm. a tiny plot. It was like 0.3 acres or something. And he made uh, his own batch of, of just wine just for himself and his friends. But every month, you, you, yeah, yeah, you mentioned you mentioned you were there like working on it, but I, yeah. I didn't hear any other detail. Yeah, so uh, once a month he will go there and like prune or just you know do a little bit of like 
of labor. Yep. He'll spend a day. Um, and then he'll spend the night in that wine region, tasting wine at little restaurants and cafes. Um, and it's it's an excuse for him to go once a month to just, you know, do a little bit of manual labor, spend the weekend there. I think this is something that you would you would love. Uh, dude, this is my this is this is my new thing. This is exactly what I'm aiming for. I'll tell you exactly where I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to an island off Spain, like Mallorca. Uh-huh. I'm going to buy a house, basically on a hill, that has a, a sea view, and it's got um, it's got vines, and that's going to be my that's like what I've found is this this balance of Europe and and uh, Asia is perfect. I think that's going to be me forever. I can't see. I can't see going back to the Americas. Um, and I love the, I love the, the compliment of both lifestyles. I can be in Asia. I can do martial arts and do like the Zen Buddhist thing in nature tea and, and basically relax. I don't know if that'll always be Chiang Mai. Uh, I might go further North and like maybe Japan or even like Yunnan province in China. I'm going to go check those out this year or as soon as the uh, borders open, but Spain, after I got comfortable, like, I love it. I think it's perfect six months a year. And and that whole like little, little mom and pop vineyard where you're just making enough to serve yourself, your, your friends and your local community. You know, you go over to the, your favorite restaurant, you give them some bottles, you, mm. you go to whoever's cutting your hair, you give them some bottles. And like you, you have this, this element that really sinks you into the community and you can take passion in. Um, I think that is something that will be kind of timeless and definitely, definitely a path for me going forward. So I'm going to go over to Mallorca as soon as I get back. And start looking at at properties. Um, that, like ha- I have a vision in my head. I know I'm gonna like I'm gonna see a property. I'm gonna be like that was it. That was the vision in my head, and it's just gonna be like boom, go time. This week's episode of Invest Like a Boss is brought to you by Common Stock. Common Stock is the home of smart money. They are the social network for smart money investors. Now, I teased it at the top of the show. You can follow all three of us here from Invest Like a Boss on Common Stock. We set up accounts, super easy. So sign up for your free account and then you can follow Sam at Sam Marks. You can follow Johnny at Johnny FD iLab or you can follow me, Derek, at Derek iLab lab all three of us have linked accounts so you can get access to real-time trades see portions of our portfolio and also you can get tons of investment ideas from verified top investors on common stock you can see what's trending and find everything from yolo trade advice to long-term investment insights think of it as a bloomberg terminal for main street and they cover everything i'm talking equities options cryptos and nfts you can find trusted transparent quality insights so you can participate and benefit from the markets common stock is not a brokerage they are just able to link your accounts and they are not involved in the buying or selling process you don't have to worry about any of that stuff and like i said it's totally free no subscriptions no paywalls, nothing. So sign up for your free account at commonstock.com. One more time, that's commonstock.com. All right, let's get back to the show. So I, I have a question about, you know, owning physical real because you have, you have places kind of all around now. Do you feel like they're more of a mental burden or like, a, you know, uh, just knowing that you have to take care of it, that it's there? Or does, does it feel more free knowing you can just lock it up and just go go there whenever you want? Yeah, it's a great question. And 
normally what has happened is when I buy them, I immediately regret it because it's, it's just like big onboarding process of having to understand everything, renovate, renovate everything. You deal with a couple of robberies here and there, like six months of getting it put together, furnished, getting all the bills in place, hopefully automated uh, and getting a couple of close contacts in there that you can rely on. Like if you need somebody to, to watch something, fix something or go check something out. But after that, they're, they're basically automated um, and they're, they're out of mind and they become a, a, a somewhat of a place of refuge in my mind where it's like, Hey, I have that, that safety valve. I have that place that's, that is home. And I've invested in all these places to make them much more than just like an Ikea, you know, stock white walls uh, type of thing. Like I've invested in them to make them feel like home. Um, the one place that it is a bit of a burden is actually the place in the US because the upkeep on that is so much more. Like there's a, mm. there's a really big yard, everything's expensive maintenance. Um, it's a house and it gets rained on a lot. So there's always something that like has to be managed. Now my parents are in the neighborhood, so it's great because, but they're, they're working a lot on the house. It's becoming a burden and it's not super easy to get help in this air, in this community. So I've told my parents, I'm like, look, if, you know, as soon as this becomes a burden, like let's, let's sell it. Right. Um, so I think you have to be thoughtful about what you're buying and like the type of maintenance that goes into it here in Thailand. My buddy just bought a, a really nice place, like $3 million place on the beach in uh, Lamai. He's like, dude, if you're away from this place for a month, half of it like starts to rot away. Like you have to have people here all the time taking care of it. Um, but it's, it, you know, in certain places like here, it's very easy to get help and people that are trustworthy look over it. So I'm, I think I'll still pick up some more properties. I'm very happy with the ones I have. I probably would get rid of the one in, in Carolina first, but the places between Barcelona and the ones in Thailand, like super happy with and no, no plans to get rid of any of those. You know, it's ironic that we're both American uh, holding us passports and neither of us want to live there. Um, <laughs> I mean, like when, when this Ukraine thing happened, the logical choice would have been for me to go back to the U.S., you know, I can stay with my parents, mm -hmm. you know, I can just kind of, you know, rebuild a life there. I have a, you know, I don't have to worry about visas, housing, you know, food, right. It could be, be around friends and family. Honestly, it never even occurred to me and it never even crossed my mind to go back to the U S I was thinking, you know, Asia or Europe. It's such a, it's, it's a weird thing, Johnny, like, and it is rather unique, but recently being abroad, I've met a lot of people that are exactly the same, but not, they're not Americans. They're like Chinese or they're Kazakhstani or they're Argentina. And they have this calling in them. They're like, I, like I was in my twenties. I just, I was depressed. I went and saw a, a therapist and the therapist, like, you got to get out of the country. Like that's, that's the issue. You're like, you have a calling for adventure that you need to leave and you need to go find, find another place. And that's the same feeling that I have. It's like, I can't pin down why I don't want to be in the U.S., but as soon as I cross in the U.S. airspace, I want to leave almost immediately. And uh, you know, it's, hard, it's hard to explain, but it's like I would live anywhere before uh, I think I would go back and live full-time in the U.S. Like I, I would go to Congo. I would go to North Korea. <laughs> I would go to Siberia. I don't know what it is. It would just, it would be more interesting to me. It'd be a bit of a challenge. And I, yeah, I don't know. That's. It's, it's very deeply embedded in me. Absolutely. Um, seems like it's the same for you. 
Yeah. And it's, you know, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, like life would be on one hand simpler and easier if I just went back. Um, but I'm not going to do it. And like, I just, I, I won't, I would not be happy there. I think that we hit that, that nail on the head. I know I would not be happy there, even though mm-hmm. on paper I should be right. I mean, there's, yeah. there's nothing wrong. Well, life in the U S is very comfortable. I was, I'll speak the language. Maybe, maybe that's what it is, is I'll know too much about what's going on. Um, that I know that I'll end up having like random arguments with people about politics or some, you know, stupid things that I don't even want to talk about or argue about while in other countries, first off, there's the language barrier. So you can't even have an argument about things like that. Cause yeah, 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 you know, yeah. things have to be kind of lighthearted. Uh, and then the second aspect is, you know, you're focused on different things or other things because it's an adventure. Um, it's an know. adventure. Everything's yeah. interesting. Every corner you turn is interesting. Every person you meet is going to come from a vastly different lifestyle, different experiences than you. And you know how much more peaceful it is going to a cafe and say, let's just say Thailand, than in Seattle. Mm-hmm. You don't hear anything in, in the cafe in Thailand because you can't understand the languages. You go to a cafe in Seattle, you're, you unfortunately are eavesdropping on like six conversations at the same time, even though you don't want to be. It's like you can't shut it off unless you put on earphones with really loud music right oh yeah otherwise you're literally just like listening to everybody it's like okay i got six conversations going on in my head right now yeah this is purposely why i'm not learning a lot of language like i'm not learning thai i know 20 words for to be respectful and appreciative and that's it and i'm not going to learn because i like that i like not knowing what everybody's saying all the time yeah i i can see some people hearing this you know thinking we're being ignorant but it's uh, I, yeah, I, I think our balance of knowing enough where we can be polite, we can, you know, communicate at like a restaurant, order mm-hmm. food, say thank you, you know, have like a basic conversation. I think, I think that's kind of mandatory if we're going to live somewhere. Uh, yeah. But, you know, being able to, to get deep enough to read a local newspaper or uh, have a conversation about politics, I, I don't think that's necessary. Uh, and I don't think yeah. that's helpful. Yeah. Well, you're learning Russian. I'm learning Spanish. Like I'll, I'll be fluent in Spanish. I'll be fluent in Russian. Like, yeah. so those are, we're planning to be our, our like home bases. So I yeah. think if you're going to live somewhere long enough, you should, you should definitely speak the language. Yeah. Um, but what's, what sucks is uh, because of this war now, um, the anti, you know, uh, Russian language sentiment is, is growing really, you know, it's accelerating very fast where, yeah. um, all my friends who were, you know, from Kiev that spoke Russian to each other uh, as their native language, just, just kind of what they were used to speaking. They've all actually switched to speaking Ukrainian to each other. Um, just, you know, <laughs> out of, out of kind of, you know, national pride, but, you know, which I understand uh, now. So now me learning Russian is, has kind of been not useless, but less useful uh, in you know, if I want to live in Ukraine, um, it was already slowly happening. But the thing is, you know, so many people spoke Russian at home uh, with yeah. their friends, you know, naturally that, you know, it was never a big deal. It was never really about the language. You know, it was like, you know, you can be Ukrainian and speak, you know, Russian or Ukrainian and it was fine. But now with Russia, um, you know, invading and doing all these crazy things, it really accelerated. It says, you know, I mean, Ukraine is definitely going to be uh, 100% you know, pro Europe and EU and West now 
before it was kind of like 50, 50, you know, I was like, Oh, you know, yeah. You know, maybe we can, you know, uh, be close to Russia. Maybe we can be close to Ukraine. You know, maybe we can do both, but now it's like, Nope, fuck Russia. We're hundred percent pro EU. Now we're speaking Ukrainian. Um, that's all gone. I think that's going to be a complicated mess for a long, long time. I think people on both sides just got much more opinionated and stronger in their views, but Hey man, politics aside, you can always move to Moscow for part of the year. I can't. (laughs) Uh, Can't? No, because I mean, first off, I never had a Russian visa. It was always kind of hard to get anyways for Americans. Um, Mm -hmm. And then second, now that I've did so much fundraising and talked so much shit about Putin and, uh, and the war, I don't think I'll ever get a visa. Or, Or you might just not ever want to go into Russia, even if you got the visa. Yeah, I mean, I mean, right now it would go, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, even in the future, if everything settles down, if there's peace, you know, just like uh, that's kind of just off my, off my uh, list of even possibilities. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's an interesting one, man. Because we did a we did a similar fundraiser in Spain, and so the Spanish government donated 36 ambulance to Russia, mm-hmm. and we had gotten together like twenty thousand dollars for medical supplies, but as part of the of the the fundraiser were like we'll guarantee that these get to the hospitals in need because there is this like massive issue at the borders of a corruption like things getting in the wrong hands and basically just resold on like secondary market Uh um or just getting into like no one had reliable transit from like the say the polish border into kiev and it was dangerous right Uh but the the people that we got to contribute the money to we made a pledge like we'll, we'll make sure the stuff gets there to to where and to these uh hospitals outside of kiev oh okay yeah you, you said russia at first i was like what why are you don't oh, so, yeah, no, yeah, no, to, to kiev so so there's like it was me and two other ukrainians so there's a ukrainian lawyer and a, and um and a guy who's a, a, a ukrainian filmmaker and so we were meeting with a general cons uh general counsel of the ukrainian embassy in barcelona and he's like, look, if you want to get, he's like, I can get the goods from here to say like, uh, to crack out or to, to the Ukrainian border. But if you want them delivered to these places, the only way that you can do it is to do it yourselves. And so the Ukrainian guys like count me out because if I go, I have to be, I have to join the war. Uh-huh. So they're all looking at me like, and I'm like, what? They're like, well, you're going to have to drive it from the Ukrainian border to like a midway point between Kiev. I'm like, fuck that. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, you know, like w- with what experience, I don't know, speak Ukrainian or Russian. Uh-huh. I'm just going to be like a guy in a truck driving <laughs> a, an unmarked truck towards Kiev. Like, Oh, uh-huh. doesn't sound fun. Um, so anyways, like long story short, we, we ended up getting uh, a contact from the girl that was in Kiev. He's like, I'll meet to go to a midway point. We got somebody else. Uh, to be able to drive it from the border to that midway point and everything, everything got delivered. But uh, like we were building this website and this GoFundMe page and all this other stuff. And I'm like, man, I want to do this quietly. Like who knows how this whole thing turns out, but like, I don't want to be, and I only want to support the medical and humanitarian aid. I don't want to get involved in anything military related because you just have no idea like where this is going to go. I want to be supportive, but I don't want to like become an enemy of the state for trying to help out a little bit. So it's, it's an interesting situation. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely understand. Uh, I think I like in the beginning, I was kind of like trying to be a little bit more, um, 
low key. I was like, all right, I'll yeah. I'll just share the donation links to to organizations directly, and then people could donate directly. But I didn't want any of it going through me. And then at some point, I was like, you know what? I'm probably so over the. Uh, I'm, pr- I'm probably <laughs> so on the the blacklist. I don't care anymore. I'm gonna go 100. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah well, how making, far can you take it johnny how well, far can you I, take it i literally have t-shirts on my uh youtube merch store that says fuck putin <laughs> oh my god I mean, that's 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 taking it pretty far oh, yeah. man, I, I admire you yeah, yeah i admire you good for you man yeah, i mean that's yeah. like honestly uh like uh, I, I, that, that that gives me uh a lot of respect for you because that's like you know it's standing up for what you believe in and you're putting yourself out there a little bit I think it's yeah, awesome. I mean, you know, knock on wood. You know, hopefully Russia do, you know, doesn't win the war. I don't think they will, but you know, who knows, right? They, they have the bigger military. Um, you know, they have the crazier, more insane leader. <laughs> like, if yeah. they do, my properties will be under Russian control, and if I am outspoken against Russian Putin, I may just lose that. I may never be able to go back. So I'm, I'm literally risking my homes and you know my livelihood there uh but at the same time if he wins i don't think i'd want to go back anyways you know like right you know yeah yeah sorry buddy yeah i know this even though uh, it's probably easy to come on and talk about this i know and like deep down it's probably rattled you pretty badly um part of the journey i suppose yeah but yeah i mean one you know the the hard part is you know, and, and I know, you know, partially it was my fault for never asking for help or never uh, opening up about it. But, you know, that's kind of like my personality where, you know, smiling face, everything's okay, you know, stay optimistic. But there were some days, man, like, and I don't know why it would always hit me when I was, when I was sitting on the toilet for some weird reason. Um, <laughs> but I would just start crying. I'd be sitting on the toilet trying to take crap and I would just start crying. And that was like my one spot. Like it was like everywhere else outside on video, on the podcast, I was hundred percent. Okay. Optimistic. But every time I took it, you know, I sat down, I was like, fuck, like this, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to be honest, man, like it was tough. Like we never, I can speak for Derek and I, like, we never, we always thought everything was good. Like we were like, you know, you're creating videos. When you would talk to us, you're kind of like, you're there, you're happy. Like we never we could look and see and say, damn, that must be like a pretty stressful situation. I think I'm just like the opposite. Like you always know where I'm at. Like yeah. I wear my emotion on my sleeve. If I'm up, I'm up. If I'm down, I'm going to tell you exactly like how I'm feeling. And so with you, you're much more, I think like old school kind of American where you're just like, da, da, yeah, everything's, yeah. everything's cool. Everything's cool. And then you're like emotions kind of behind the scene, but well, I've cried a lot too the last quarter Johnny, for different reasons. So yeah. grown men cry. Don't feel yeah. bad about it. Yeah. <laughs> cry. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I stopped taking Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, I also know that I'm in a much better situation uh, financially and also, you know, just like passport wise, everything than, than others. Um, so I'm still, you know, like I'm still okay. Right. Like it would have been it would have been nice to just to have someone, you know, just call me and say, you know, Johnny, I know you're going through a lot, even if you're not showing it, you know, you know, come over to stay with me for a month and just, you know, like, just, just, you know, just be, be well, with friends, you know, I saw your email, but I, I took offense to that. Cause I did, I called, I talked to you. I said, do you need money? Do you, do you need to come stay with me? I didn't yeah. say come stay with me for a month, but I said, do you want to come stay with me? 
Yeah. Uh, I, I, yes. You, 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 and you know what? Maybe I brushed it off. You know, like, honestly, I don't remember. I was going through so much, but it was like, I think besides my mom, there was no one who was like, no, I don't care what you, you know, if you're saying everything's fine, you know, just come, you know, like, you know, it's, it was more yeah. like that, you know, like I, I know, I know if I needed to, like I could add, borrow money from you or something, you know, and thank, thankfully everything was fine, but yeah, I think like I needed, or I, I was hoping for more like, no, Johnny, not everything's not okay. I don't care what you say. <laughs> like, you're going through a lot. You know, let me just come know, let me shit on my you. toilet, Johnny. Yeah. You know? <laughs> let me cook for you. That's where I draw the line, buddy. I mean, cooking yeah. for you. Yeah. But I'll order you grab. Well, you did get like 99 messages from people, but I, I can see that's like, a, that's, it's a, there's, a, there's levels to this, right? It's like, okay, yeah. Hi, Johnny. No, you're in Kiev. Hope you're okay. Yeah. So, like, that's a big level. That's just like scratching the surface from like, yeah. hey man, shit must be really rough. Like, come hunker down with me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So everyone knows out there, Johnny was hurting and he was hoping for uh, more people. But I will say, like, on your side, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it was hard to, to know how bad the situation really was for you. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I, I know that's something that's like, you know, ingrained in me because I never want to be a burden. I never want to. You know, um, yeah, I don't want to be a burden to anyone, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, but I think we've, uh, we've learned a lot. Um, the world has learned a lot this, this last quarter. Um, I feel so bad for all the, all the displaced Ukrainians who they also don't want to feel like a burden. Right. So they have it much worse. Yeah. Um, I hope this war ends soon. I, it, it seems like everything's kind of, uh, not, not, I definitely don't want to say winding down, but it seems like things are going in the right direction. Um, but I'll, I, it's too early to celebrate, you know? Like some people are like, oh, Johnny, why don't you just go home to Kiev now? It seems like Russia has left Kiev and the folks from the East. The thing is, like, people don't realize it's literally still a war zone there, right? Jeez, and man. now more than ever, there's a chance that, you know, Putin's going to say, you know what? Screw this. Let's just bomb it. I don't think Putin's going anywhere with his tail between his legs. That's kind of the scary thing. You know, that's just like the age old Russian military leadership. It's like, they're going to, they're going to do whatever they have to do and they're going to get their people to buy into it no matter what they have to do. And they're not going to, they're not going to go home with their tail behind their legs. And one thing, yeah, you got to be super careful there, man, where we were supposed to be delivering the goods originally uh, the ambulance was to uh to live right LVIV. Yeah. and when we were organizing it it was like hey we're gonna get it to the border and then okay i'm, I'm not gonna drive it to the midway point but i'll drive it to uh, drive it to a western city Lviv, yeah because there hasn't been any activity there right yeah and then it's like right as we were putting the plans for that together it was like boom airstrike in Lviv kills yeah. 160 people yeah. like and yet forget about that. It's not necessarily where the tanks and, and soldiers are. It's like, dude, they can strike anywhere in the world at any moment. Yep. So just because things are quiet in one place doesn't mean that in a blink of an eye, it's going to be in a different place via airstrikes. So, yep. Or, you know, knock on wood, but they have nukes, you know, they have, you yeah. know, they can, and they can send them from Belarus. They can send them from Russia. They can send them from anywhere. It's insane. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I think this is a kind of where we should end this public uh, portion of this episode. And we're going to get into kind of more of the, um, 
I don't want to say confidential, but more like personal things, you know, uh, about, about finances, about what our, our plans are for the next quarter. So uh, everyone listening uh, on the public podcast, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you want to join the Patreon and support the show and have access to the rest of the episode, the full episode, uh, please go to investlikeaboss.com and join there. And uh, Patreons, let's go. Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.